Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Y'all got your drink, fellas. That my drink. <laughs> it was like, ooh, Al, lips look so good. I got good everything, trust What else you got good, Al? <laughs> Take a look at that picture I sent you. I just figured I'd get the girls a little preview <laughs> of the spring-summer collection, a.k.a. Okay. my body. It is TGIF. This is what y'all came for, right? Y'all came for this. everybody, welcome to TGIF. It's your girl, Claudia Jordan. It's Wednesday night, and I'm back with two favorite people in the business with some talk about the entertainment business and news and all the hot topics. We're going to spill the tea and break down all the biggest headlines in the news and on social media. So sit back, relax, and get ready to sip this hot tea. Please welcome multimedia personality and talk show host, Funky Dineva. Hey, Funky. Hey, y'all. Oh, Double-fisted. I mean, two-handed. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, where your mind at? You in the hotel room talking about double-fisted. We, we know what you over there doing. Oh, it's a lot going on. <laughs> okay. All right. And please welcome brand strategist Al Reynolds. Hey, Al. What's going on, Claudia? I am chilling. What's everybody drinking tonight? What y'all got? We drinking or not? I, you know what? Tonight I got a little bit. Of, I went grocery shopping, as y'all can see from my Instagram. So y'all know whenever I go grocery shopping, I got my vodka and Publix lemonade. So that's what I'm drinking. Okay. Uh, uh, Al, you drinking tonight or are you back on that tea? No, I, I'm actually doing both. So, But I, I have a little wine tonight. So mm, we're going to see. I've been you got the hair fixed all nice too. Al got a swoop across the front. I got hair though, Q. Can check okay. that out. Well, that's all right though. When I when when we get our increase from Fox Soul, I'm gonna get me a little transplant. Get me some hair right here. You know they're doing that in what Columbia, right? Is it uh, Columbia? Uh-huh. Go down there and get your hair grabbed. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna get some of them paste on edges that Claudia got on right there. Just paste on right here. <laughs> I know they like to do this when you work on TV shows. So, you know that's what they like to do. Anyways. Let's get into some hot topics. Everybody knows R. Kelly was found guilty of racketeering and sex trafficking by a federal jury. Well, shortly after the verdict, R. Kelly released this statement to his fans. To all my fans and supporters, I love you all and thank you for the support. Uh, Today's verdict was disappointing and I will continue to prove my innocence and fight for my freedom. Hashtag not guilty. Well, Kelly's ex-wife, Drea Kelly, said that when it comes to the verdict, her heart is in two places because she has children with Kelly, but her heart also goes out to the victims and the courage it took for them to come forward with the story. Should our Kelly just hang it up and uh, prepare for his sentencing or should we expect a never ending legal battle from him and his attorneys when he's negative two million in the hole with his money? What do y'all think? I mean, at this point, he should most definitely leave it alone, but I definitely think it's a survival tactic. I mean, you know, anybody who's going to prison is going to claw, scratch, and do whatever it is they knew they need to do to try to get out. But it ain't happening, sir. I wish he would have depleted all of his money so he'd have been able to leave his children something. But I got a question. Are we um considering this verdict? Are we listening to R. Kelly music or no? <laughs> well, in my in my opinion, I really honestly think that we should all rethink 
um, R. Kelly's songs that we've learned to love. Because if we think about it, was he really singing about adult women or was he singing about young girls? I just want to say that I don't think he wrote that statement. Don't they say he can't read? Right. Well, maybe he, well, you know, you know, in, in jail, they have GED classes and stuff, and he'd been in there for a long time. So maybe he was taking some classes. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure somebody, somebody helped him write that. But I'm going to tell you what was so interesting about what the U.S. attorney uh, Geddes said. She noted that in um, the statement Friday and again on Monday at the sentencing that he had he ran an enterprise and that enterprise was not only marketing his brand and his music but also exploiting little girls and boys and women and the and the attorney also said that there were people that were enablers like his ex-wife parents handlers and other enablers that were a part of that enterprise so my question is are those enablers going to be held accountable for what they did for over 30 years with R. Kelly? They most definitely should. They should be, but I kind of get tired of it feeling like that's uh, kind of taken away from R. Kelly. Like, but he didn't do it alone. Yeah, true. But like, I'm focusing on the, the, the justice that those fem- them young those young girls and boys got because for a long time it was, well, she's fast and what was she doing in his room or she had a motive or she wanted a career, which may be true, but at the end of the day, he's the adult, he's the star, he's the one that if it wasn't for his actions, what he wanted to do, there'd be nothing to facilitate. You but know, yeah, they, they can get their day, I'm sure. You know what baffles me too? I, I just don't understand how he was so preoccupied with sex. I mean, between touring, writing all this music, creating this songwriting legacy, being in the studio, when did you even have time to have all of this sex? I like to think that I have a pretty active and healthy sex life, and yeah. I probably have sex... <laughs> Three times a month, you know what I'm saying? You know, maybe once a week. Cut it out. That's it? That's it. I mean, because I don't have a stable person. And so how is he having all this sex and working? Because this is this is for him, this was an addiction. So it's just like any other addiction. You find time to do your drug. I mean, you if you smoke, if you smoke cannabis, you smoke when you get up, you smoke when you take a break in the middle of the day, you smoke at the end of the day, and you still have a very functioning day. The same with the other drugs. You find time when you have an addiction for your addiction. So I mean, yeah. And 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 he he got away with it for a very, very long time and uh, you know. Justice has been served. We've been talking about it and whispering about it for years. And now you can't say it's an allegation. It's an actual conviction. All right, y'all. Moving on with this update, the executive producer of The View, Brian Tedda, addressed last Friday's COVID mishap and apologized to host Anna Navarro and Sonny Hostin for the uh, public reveal that their COVID results that turned out to be false positives. He said, I really want to acknowledge and apologize to Sonny and Anna because in the midst of all this chaos, they were put in this position where they had uh, this information put out on television and then... To make it even worse, it turned out not to be true later on. So it was unfortunate that mistakes were made. Well, Sonny Hostin got a little choked up as she addressed the mishap and said it was very uncomfortable to have her COVID test results uh, you know, announced publicly and that her husband, who happens to be a surgeon, had to be pulled out of surgery due to her false positive COVID result, which that is a whole mess. What, what are your thoughts on Brian Tedder's apology? And do you understand how, how Sonny may have felt? It's complete BS. I'm extremely disappointed in The View. I think The View has completely ruined its credibility. 
this is too, too coincidental, right? You've got four people along with the whole barrage of staff people in the building that get COVID tested at the same frequency, right? How coincidental is it the two people who are going to ask the hardest questions in relation to what is going on politically in this country, just those two people are the two who happen to have a false negative. The reality of the situation is the view is in bed with the current administration and in the White House, and they did the White House a favor. That is honestly how I see it. They created a circumstance by which to snatch Anna and Sonny up off that stage so Kamala did not get railroaded with very tough questions or blindsided or given up, even though she's given the questions in advance, given a follow-up question that she would not be able to answer too succinctly. And they pulled them off the stage to not have to deal with that situation. I don't care what nobody says. This is too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. You really think that the vice president who had to be vetted to be in presidential and in vice presidential debates is more worried about facing talk show hosts that are pro-democratic than that than the debate with with evil ass Mike Pence. Like, do you I, really think that? I most definitely do. I think that this world, I think as a result of the last administration, that this this uh, our world has been sliced in more slices than a pizza. And I think that um, to keep political unrest and to, and to keep evidence from the, the Republicans being able to say, look at this and look how they handled that. It was best to just not deal with it. That Haiti situation was a fiasco. The optics of it was horrible, whether they were using whips, whether they weren't, they let the Cubans in, you let these in, you don't let the Haitians in. It was very tough. Emotions were high. It was fresh. And yes, they found a creative way to make Kamala not have to address that at its at its deepest, most, most rawest core. I honestly believe that. Oh, okay. Al, what do you think? I concur with Funky. I think he's given a thorough assessment of how I feel about it. We know that they didn't test positive for COVID. We know that they were going through a national crisis with the PR around the Haitian uh, photographs and the flashback to slavery. It was just an ugly situation. It looked like to me a case study. This particular show looked like a case study between crisis management and the 25th year promotion. They both collided and just made for great TV and relevant television and relevant media coverage. I don't agree, but that's what we're here for to have a discussion. You know what I mean? I just feel like people are so on 10 and ready to go for conspiracy theories about everything. And I feel like this woman had to go through debate prep. I don't think she's afraid of Sonny. And I don't think she's afraid of Anna and the questions that they may ask. This woman is vetted and was dragged. And Mike Pence, I think, would be the prep that he got and how vicious Donald Trump seen was. But that's that's my opinion. And but you know, you know, to your point, I don't think it was her. And I quite frankly don't think she was worried. I think this probably came from the White House PR for the, for the whole administration. You think it was I, the think, protect, I right? think the administration was worried. I don't think Kamala was worried. Plus, you got to remember, you got to remember that was that morning that they spent all that time removing all of those Haitians into the temporary housing. So if you had brought that back up, you would have you would have fogged the narrative that the U.S. government was doing and moving those Haitians so that the pictures wouldn't be so damaging to the president and the current administration. At that point, the damage was done. We already look like trash. This administration, they, they I mean, I, I'm, I'm a supporter, but they already fumbled that already. Nothing Kamala says on The View, to me, 
is going to make it worse or better. I don't know. Anyways, we got to move on to this next story. Uh, rap artist The Brat called out Nikki Gilbert for plugging her show in a post that she made about the status of uh, of Kelly Price, who was reported missing last week. Although Kelly Price has broken her silence and revealed that COVID-19 almost took her life, The Brat didn't find it cool for Nikki to speak on Kelly's health or her whereabouts while promoting her new show. What are your thoughts on this? Well, listen, it's been a bad time for R. Kelly. It's been a bad time for Kelly Price. Somebody need to go check on Kelly Clarkson, okay? Because it's just a bad time to be named Kelly. Kelly, take this phone. All Kelly had to do was answer that damn phone, okay? And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people in the comments who have been saying, she don't owe nobody nothing and people going through stuff and this, that, and the third. And I just want to make this one point and I'm glad we brought up this story. You are absolutely right. Kelly Price do not owe anybody a damn thing. But let me tell you something, Black people. Y'all cannot have it both ways, right? We got the Gabby Patillo story and everybody's complaining about we get no media resources are placed on missing our Black, Latino, and, and, and Indigenous women, right? Then you've got Kelly Price who got all the media coverage, Okay. When people sitting here calling your damn phone, you sitting here looking at the damn phone, you getting the blog post, you getting the text messages from friends and family members saying, just give us a smoke signal to say you okay. You're getting the blog post. And, you know, Nikki Gilbert had went on uh, national news already and spoke on your behalf, uh, spoke and said you were missing before you said something. Your sister did a press conference before you said something. You got on the Georgia missing persons list before you said something, which means the police must have came out to the house or something and your ass ain't answered the door. You see what I'm saying? It's like all of these things happen before you said something. I am sorry. When you are a public person and a celebrity, you do not get the luxuries and the privileges of private citizens. Kelly should have sent a smoke signal, an Instagram post and said, I'm okay. And none of this would happen. Now, as it relates to Nikki Gilbert plugging her show, I mean, you know, have whatever opinion you want to have about it. I honestly don't think the brat made things better by bringing it up. I mean, I love the brat, me and her communicate from time to time, but who made you the morality police and who are you to check anybody on the way they act on their social media as it relates to Kelly? That's all I got on that. Okay. And what do you think? <laughs> what do you say to follow that up? Like, um, you know, I, I I really am still disconnected as to why the brat was so upset. Like she was really, really, really upset. So I'm still trying to figure that whole process out because I would think the brat, the way she made it seem as I interpreted what she was saying was that she was in contact with Kelly Price. So my question to the brat and to all of those that were in contact with Kelly Price, when she showed up on that missing persons list for the state of Georgia, which is an extremely huge deal, you guys had a responsibility to reach out to that missing list uh, committee or head up or whoever heads that and say, listen, she's not missing. Please take that down because there are too many other people that are missing, black females that are missing, that deserve to be on that list. So I think there's a social responsibility for those who knew that she didn't belong on that list to have her taken off of that list. That's what I'm feeling. Other than that, I agree with what you said. Even on this show, if someone's missing, there's an explanation. There's like a, hey, Claudia's not feeling well. Or Al's got something. You know what I mean? Like, we, that's what we do. And I think, yes, you don't owe people to tell them your every move and release medical records. But you can, if you've seen all these people concerned about you and really legitimately worried, don't just let it marinate to, for the attention. And I'm not saying she is, but it did look like that. Like, just give a heads up and just and end it. 
it and you how do you sit there and watch all that and be okay with that kelly i like you but damn you had us well, i was sending you dms too like i'm like where are you and everyone was doing that we were all checking for you like that so don't do it again all right we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with more tgif Welcome back to TGIF. If you are enjoying the show, please give us some thumbs up in the chat. I see all y'all in the chat with your comment. All right, y'all, listen, let's get back to it. Will Smith is opening up about his marriage to Jada Pinkett Smith. In his GQ cover story, Smith talked about his fantasies involving certain celebrity women, and he candidly discussed working with intimacy coach Michaela Boehm and shared that he told Boehm that his greatest desire in the world was to have a harem of girlfriends. Will also admitted that he told Bone that Halle Berry and dancer Misty Copeland were on his fantasy list and that he had plans to contact them to discuss his idea, but later scrapped the idea. Now, what are your thoughts on Will Smith's revelation that he wanted to be in an entanglement with Copeland and Berry? Will definitely has a type. Okay, when, you, when they put those two pictures side by side, I was like, Will definitely has a type. Here's what I want Will and Jada to do. I want them to go back to that very same red table where they keep discussing all their business. And I want them to sit down together and just make one joint statement to the world that this is what we do. This is how we like it. Stop drip dropping the pieces of their sexual lives like this and keeping all this mess and confusion going on. We've been knew y'all was in an open relationship for years. One thing that I do like, though, is that we've got such a powerful Hollywood couple showing people a different uh, relationship configuration outside of monogamy that seems to work for them. Quite frankly, I, I, you know, I don't think monogamy would work for me. And I've always been the type of people do whatever arrangement works for them just as long as all parties involve consent. And I actually like that they've figured out what works for them. So hats off to them. But can y'all just please give it all to us at once so we can stop speculating because we nosy and we like being in y'all business, but we just want to know fully what we talking about when we be gossiping about y'all. Al, <laughs> uh, what do you think? You know, the, the, uh, Will and Jada are Hollywood royalty, black royalty, if you ask me. For years, the, you know, the biggest rumor and unkept secret was about, in Hollywood, was about Dwayne Martin and Tisha Campbell and Will and Jada. So we know that they've always lived a certain lifestyle. And we knew that it was not what we would consider a normal, traditional lifestyle. Claudia, your co-host, Lisa Ray on Cocktails said that, you know, there was an issue with Dwayne with her ex-husband, right? Uh, um, Oh, yeah. That kind of led to the the decline of their marriage. So to me, I'm like, Funky, none of this is a surprise. And I'm sure one of the things that this couple always does a good job of is keeping themselves relevant. And I'm sure we're going to hear about something else in a couple of months that uh, about their relationship. And to me, what it appears to be is because of that red table, that couple has had to take an honest look at their marriage and the kids and the offspring of that marriage. And because of that red table, this feels like to me that they're gonna start to unveil slowly over the course of the next 12 to 24 months, what's really going on in their relationship because America, I think, and the world is a little bit more prepared to handle it than before. I say kudos to Will Smith because Jada been kind of making you look a little crazy for the past few years. She been getting hot out there with the August Alcina and all these other affairs. And listen, it's great to be open, but Will wasn't doing that. It seemed like only one of them was really putting their business out there. So it kind of made him, I felt bad for Will. I felt like, damn, Will, you, you she got you out here looking kind of cray cray. So I, I, I'm here for him kind of evening the playing field. I felt like it was like a, let me show y'all I'm not weak. I, I, I got, 
you know, I, I got my thing too with me because Jada was really the one putting it out there with other people. That's my but opinion. On it. But it was August that blew up their spot. It was all, right. It was August. It was August that blew up their spot. I mean, it blew up the spot and made them recalibrate because for years they have had an open relationship. I mean, an open marriage. As far I mean, as people coming out with names and all that, like we ain't never heard nothing about Will Smith. August was the one that did that. I don't think Jada, Jada didn't come forth and say that this is what was happening only until August let the cat out the bag. Did we get a name to? I'm not talking name. about who started it, but I'm saying once it came out, like she was really talking about it. It wasn't like. But what she had, what she had to, because the, the society that we live in, the woman is always going to look bad. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to tell you one thing I do like about their relationship. They have both sat down and said, no matter what you do and no matter what I do, we're going to be committed to this family. Your ass ain't going nowhere. My ass ain't going nowhere. That check better hit this account. And when mm. I flip this light switch, these lights better come on. And this money better be in these kids' college fund. Like, listen, I am for that. I love that life partnership. We committed to this family. Go fool our law all you want. I'm here for it. Well, speaking of split the Smith, on an upcoming episode of The Red Table Talk, Jada Pinkett Smith and Willow Smith revealed that they both considered getting a BBL. But Willow said she got in the gym and got it anyway instead of getting the surgery. Jada joked and said, you want a butt? One thing your mother knows about is how to build a butt. What are your thoughts on the Smiths being open about considering having a BBL? And uh, let's talk about the beauty standards that put pressure on women to to look a certain way. What do y'all think about this conversation? I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm not a woman, so I'm not the most qualified to speak on this, but it seems like everybody's doing it these days. It's the new it thing. And I guess it's one of those things that if you can't beat them, join them. I I will never know what it feels like for a woman to look at a magazine or television and feel the pressure to look like the images that she sees, but it seems to be the trend. They're only human. So I don't expect them to be immune from the very thing that everybody else on social media seems to be experiencing. Uh, What do you think about this? Um, I, I all I want to know is who do they work with on the blogs because these ladies get coverage every week about something that they're talking about. So I mean, I think we've been talking about the BBLs, we've been talking about the self confidence, and and women wanting to be look more curvy, whether they were white or black. I I, I don't know that I'm, I'm I'm very interested, honestly, whether Jada and Willow wanted BBLs. Me neither. We don't need to know everything. We, right. we, we no, know. Like, uh, I don't need to know about Willow or Jada getting a BBL. <laughs> I don't think I want to see Willow get a BBL. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from BBL to Lil Bow Wow. In a recent interview, Bow Wow shared that he chopped it up with Diddy about him dating uh, the mother of his daughter, George Chavis. And Bow Wow ch- uh, joked that at first he wanted to kill Diddy, but after they talked for an hour and 15 minutes to be exact, He's cool with them dating. Now, do you think this uh, relationship that Diddy is into now uh, with Joy is uh, is serious? It wasn't Diddy just around running around town with Young Miami. Like he's like he's being a real hot boy right now. What's going on? <laughs> uh, I definitely think Diddy's having a hot boy summer, an extended one. Um, <laughs> you know. Pardon me for not allowing Bow Wow to grow up and become a man, but he will always be a 12-year-old boy to me. And I'm just trying to figure out who in the hell takes Bow Wow serious 
about them calling to get some understanding or some straightening about their ex, their child, some bills, an old debt, some shoes he left around there. Like, I just could take, I would be looking at the phone just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, now that, that's my piece. So I gotta go. Like, I like what straightening and understanding was Balwar calling anybody to get? Well, I, I gotta say, I, where you were going with this before about him always being young is where I was now. Now he is a man, so he does deserve a conversation. That's his baby's mother. So, and they've had relations. My only thing was, it felt like to me that a child, not a child, like a, a young, I'm just mean a young man, a child was asking their dad. <laughs> That's how it feels. Asking the child, excuse me, is it okay for me to date your ex-girlfriend? And I'm just like, it's almost like with, with Puffy or Diddy or Love, whoever he is right now, it's like a thing that he has going on because he had to ask his son if it was okay to date Lori Harvey. And now he's asking his son in entertainment, is it okay to date his ex? And they're all 20 years younger than him. Maybe he's going through a midlife crisis. He absolutely seems to be. I can't speak on it because I don't know him like that. But I mean, back to back to back, these people that have a 20-year age gap with him. I mean, I, I guess if you can do it, do it. But damn. All right, but it's our job to talk about it. All right, moving on. A racist email was sent to black uh, to black student organizations at the Amherst location of the University of Massachusetts. According to a statement released by the university, the content of the emails was vile, blatantly racist, and violently offensive. The subject header on the email was addressed to black students of our campus and said they wrote the email from a non-student, according uh, account, to avoid being victimized by the predictable cries of racism and not being inclusive. The UMass Black Student Union posted a message on social media that they received racist emails as early as the second week of September. And uh, it took the university almost a month from the initial anti-black racist incident to acknowledge the instances. What are your thoughts about this story and the lack of urgency? I believe it. Uh, you know, I, I studied architecture. I was in architecture school at the University of Virginia. Um, I have a degree in urban planning and development. And so when I was going to graduate school, I actually looked at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst because it has a great architecture school and an even better urban planning and development program. So I visited the university. And the funny thing about the university and all the classes, you know, like you visit classes when you go on campus and you take you take a tour. I literally, in most of the classes, was the only person of color. And I'm not saying the only black person. I was the only person of color in the classes in the, in the architecture school. And that, that was back in the, we're going to say back in the 90s. And now in the 2000s, there's only 4% of African-Americans in that whole university. I believe it. I believe that everything that, that the black student unions and everyone is saying, I just want them to get to the bottom of them and expose them for what they really are. It's sad that things aren't really changing. I, I was in, uh, when I was in college in, in Ohio in 1991, uh, when the Rodney Ver King verdict came out, 91, 92, I was active in the black student union and we had a nonviolent event to get everybody on the same page with the white students and the black students. And it, it seemed like it went well and the next day. I had a threat from the Klan and I gave it to my school. There's a tape that they, that was left on my voicemail, my answering machine back when we have cassettes. They swept on the rug. They did nothing. They wanted the tape so they can make it go away. 
And that's what happens. And I just wonder how many times this happens and we don't hear about it because we didn't have social media back then. Like how many times do these universities that a lot of people, black dollars are being spent there and they get funding, they're not doing anything about these issues. Cuba, well, before know, we get a break, do you have a thought on You know, oh, sorry. You go ahead. One point that I wanted to make, especially as we're now in this era, where we do this great push for HBCUs and black people attending HBCUs. This is another fundamental reason why it's important for black students to attend black colleges and universities because I read a quote one time that said, black people are the only people who will go to a PWI and have to join a black student union when they can just go to an all black school. I was at Florida State University between the years of 2001 and 2005 and nothing has changed from when you guys were in school in the 70s. We were still experiencing, um, you know, the, the same no, situations. No, you did say we were in school in the 70s. Claudia, did you hear that? That's when I'm you- I'm not listening to him. I'm looking at my next contract. That's when you was there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you were talking about some, back when I was in architecture school, I'm going to say in the 90s. Well, I was in high school in the 90s. So it ain't no <laughs> you was in college in the 90s. But nevertheless, nevertheless, you know, these are the ugly truths that Black students that go to PWIs, even currently, um, these are the things that we face. You know, um, it, it's just par for the course when you're we, we, around young people on all white campuses and you're Black. I, Good point. And if I could rewind and go back, I would have gone to HBCU and I wish I would have. Honestly, I feel like I missed out on that culture and that whole experience. And I wish I would have supported a black college where I would have been well, better received. I right, want to take a quick break. We'll be back with more TGIF after this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to TGIF. Once again, to everybody that's commenting in the chat, we appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for keeping that energy flow. When I see y'all checking each other and having a side conversation and we appreciate y'all very much. We have a special announcement coming up at the end of this live read about the future of the show. All right, y'all. Um, Reserve Bar is the uh, online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine, and champagne. Visit ReserveBar.com to create the perfect home bar or have the ideal gift delivered. It's also where you'll find the best and new and hard-to-find bottles and those celebrity spirits you have always wanted to try. Now, look, no one does spirits gifting better than Reserve Bar. You can even have a bottle custom engraved with a name, date, or logo to create the perfect gift. You can build your dream home bar at Reserve Bar. Just select the spirits and wine you love. They're also, uh, they got the glassware and mixing tools that you need. Reserve Bar offers Cocktail Lounge, your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and the stories behind your favorite brands. And ready-to-drink cocktails taste better than ever, and Reserve Bar has them. And the pre-mixed drinks are great to have on hand and for outdoor events. Uh, listen, Reserve Bar, spirits, wines, and uh, coming with the, the 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 drinkware, I'm all for it. It's a great product. I highly recommend y'all check them out. Please go ahead and visit reservebar.com today and go ahead and use promo code T to save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine, or pre-made cocktails. But only when you use, once again, our special code, that you get as a watcher of TGIF. That's reservebar.com with code T. That's reservebar.com, code T. This offer does expire December 31st, 2021. Now, about the show. So starting next week, next Wednesday, next month, Wednesday our new time will be 5 p.m. on the West Coast and 8 p.m. on the East Coast. That's 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East. Same show. 
same hot topics, same energy, just different time, a little early in the day. And uh, we hope you support us at our earlier time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We got plenty of show left. We'll be back with more TGIF after this. Welcome back to TGIF. All right, let's get right back into it. Uh, housewife Portia Williams from the Real Housewives of Atlanta brought her fiance, Simon Gabadia, an engagement ring to hold him over until they officially tie the knot next year. Now, in case you've forgotten, Simon proposed to Portia months ago, but Portia wanted Simon to have a ring to celebrate their love. Y'all, would you all buy an engagement ring for your fiance after he proposed to you already? I most definitely would. I, uh, I, 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 I most definitely would. I think in 2021, I think that it, it, it it's nice to have a, a symbol of commitment from both people, not I buy your ring and then subsequently just get whatever default ring that comes with the package. Give me package A over here. My only thing is uh, Portia don't quit all her damn job. She ain't going to be able to buy ish in the near future if she don't hold on to whatever other job she got left. Portia, let me tell you something, girl. I know that, grandma always said a woman got to have something on her own, baby girl. You don't quit both of your good old jobs. Let me tell you something. These men's they love you in the beginning, but it's somewhere around the middle when they get older after the honeymoon phase, they're going to start looking at you like, what is you good for? You just sit up here spending up all my money, honey. So I hope you left housewives. I hope you put in a proper two-week notice, and I hope you put in a proper two-week notice over at Dish in case you got to go bike. Don't be quitting all your jobs. But you ain't even know this man a good year yet. And you don't forfeited all your damn income. And I'm going to tell you one last thing, baby. I always tell the young girls, <laughs> the quickest way to lose a man is to have a baby from him. Don't you run off and get pregnant from this man uh, in the next year. The quickest way to lose a man is to have a baby from him. Go on here, there. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to you tonight. I'm, uh, I'm just off clay. You know, I just feel like uh, we're talking about uh, a bunch of non-traditional relationships is the topic here on TGIF today. We got Will and Jada's non-traditional situation. We got Puffy in his situation asking his, his son's kids for <laughs> their ladies. We got uh, Portia by Simon the billionaire <laughs> a ring, you know, to, to hold it down until they get married. I I mean, maybe this is just a season of non-traditional things happening because people are in love. I don't know. Well, I wish them well and I hope it works out. You ain't An 11-year-old no boy, what? You ain't buying no jewelry, Claudia? <laughs> she did, she brought him jewelry for his birthday. She brought I bought KJ, I iced him out, but. But would, would you buy, if, would, would you buy like, I like the gesture of the man picking out the woman's ring and the woman saying, this is the one I want you to have. I don't see nothing that actually doesn't feel very non-traditional to me. I I'm not mad at it. I, you know, I'm being funny, but uh, I'm not mad at it. If you love someone, it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks. And if you want to spoil your man because you feel like he spoils you in your real life, then that's, that's fantastic. I think you should. I don't so think you have to go by the tradition anymore. People, no one really does anyways. They didn't start off like a tra traditionally, so, you know. <laughs> They're poor. <laughs> so, again, I have a question. Um, would you propose to KJ? No, absolutely not. So you're I, I'm, I'm traditional. I, I am. But I would still break. 
I'm, I'm not for that either. As, as non-conventional as I like to be and progressive as I like to be in my thinking, I'm not about no woman getting on her knees proposing to no man either. Hmm. Okay. Again, if, if there, he's happy and... There are other ways, more subtle ways a woman can ask a man to marry her and it's called conversation. It's called future planning. Um, but the whole getting on your knees and embarrassing yourself for world star hip hop, I'm not with that. You know, if, if I feel like most women want to get married, right? Like, it's not like, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Most of us, we were brought up to get married. And of course that's not everybody. I got to say that. So people, oh, not everybody. but, um, most women, women want to get married. So I feel like most men are the ones that are kind of dragged, kicking and screaming. So I would like to know that when I get married, it's because the guy really, really wanted it to happen. And if he doesn't, then we won't get married. I'm not giving an ultimatum. I'm not forcing anyone to marry me. It's not going to happen. All right, let's move on. And an 11 year old Ohio boy, um, was accidentally stabbed by an overzealous actor in a haunted house. The boy entered the seven floors of hell haunted house at a country fair, county fairground when the actor wielding a real Bowie knife stabbed the boy in the foot in an attempt to scare him. The unidentified 22-year-old actor agreed with the police that it was, not, it was not a good idea to use a real hunting knife instead of the prop knife that the haunted house gives entertainers for the purpose of a fake fright. Now, the boy was treated at the scene for a toe injury, but he refused further treatment. He continued to tour the, with, you know, with his mom and no charges were filed at his mother's request. Can you believe that the actor really thought it was a good idea to use a real knife instead of a fake one to scare people? And are you surprised that the boy's mother decided not to press charges? You know what? I, I, I read the article and I'm actually glad that the, the boy's mother ch chose not to, 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 to file charges. The article read that the, the actor followed the boy through the rest of the haunted house. He expressed a bunch of remorse. It was silly. It was stupid. Somebody could have gotten hurt. Thank the Lord that they didn't get hurt. I think the company remedied the situation the correct way because they fired him immediately. I think in this situation, lesson learned, I'm actually glad that this young man did not go to jail or get in any legal trouble because it honestly did feel like a stupid mistake, a mistake that could have caused somebody some serious bodily harm, but a mistake nonetheless. Uh, what do you think about this? Using a real knife in a haunted house with real kids? <laughs> I'm going to venture to believe that this was a, a young white little boy and a, a white mother because had you done that to a black mother and her son, <laughs> you would have burnt that whole haunted house down. She would have whipped that mother. She would have beat him. <laughs> she would have beat that young actor's ass from the whatever room they were in all the way to the exit. So, I mean, you know, the way this kind of panned out was probably best for him that it happened with that little boy and that family because otherwise it wouldn't have been such a, a very happy ending that it is now. Why on earth would somebody working in a haunted house with children that you got to roll up on, it's dark, why would you bring a fake, fake knife? You can easily make a mistake. He could have killed that boy. Yeah, He could have killed that boy. And the fact that you had a real knife that could do real damage you're lucky that it just caught a toe. And you're right. I think it had to be a white kid because a black mama would have then turned that knife on him. <laughs> I, I don't get why you even had a real knife at work. Why did you have a real knife at work? You're in a prop. You're in a haunted house. It's fake. It's 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 he was, a, he was a method actor. He was really trying to get into the role. <laughs> I, I think 
David and the mama finished the tour of the house after almost being stabbed by an actor. Like, when did they figure it out at the end? Like, I, I'm still confused. This story just is weird. Finishing the haunted house after being stabbed in the toe. Right. I mean, which which suggests which suggests the skin was punctured. You know, stabbed makes you feel like blood was gushing everywhere and somebody was screaming. He had a minor injury. Like he fell and scraped his toe. That's what it's giving me, considering the fact that the mother was not upset enough to leave and they decided to finish the haunted house. That's a good point. But I still want to know why you had a real knife. I think he wanted, maybe he- How did they find out it was a real knife? When the boy hollered, bitch, you stabbed me. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Wait. So then it wasn't just a graze of the toe. So I don't know. This is just weird. All right. Uh, do we have time for another story? Or do we, should we go to commercial? You know what? Let's go to commercial and come back. Let's come back after this. We have uh, our very own Funky Dineva had something to say about the current state of the music industry. We're going to get into that story after we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more TGIF after this. All right, guys, welcome back to TGIF. All right, y'all, our very own Miss Funky Dineva had something to say about the current state of the music industry in a recent Instagram post and a YouTube video. Funky said, the music industry seems to have a surplus of fast, easy, microwavable artists, but there is no one individual, there's no one individual positioned to be the next superstar. Funky, break that down for us. Um, you know, music, especially black music, we are in trouble. Um, we've got Janet, we've got Beyonce, we kind of got Rihanna, but where are the next black superstars? And I'm not talking about the popular girls. I'm talking about the girls who are selling 50 million, 200 million records worldwide. There is nobody in succession. We've got all these microwavable artists that, that, you know, artist development no longer exists. Real songs no longer exist. All these artists are microwavable. They're plucking people straight up off of Instagram. And it's more about marketability than it is talent. And I think we're in trouble. All of this fast music, I honestly think that people who are listening to the radio now, 30 years from now, are not going to have anything to listen to. There's no more timeless music. Um, they keep trying to push Normani on us. They keep trying to push Chloe Bailey on us. And you know what? I guess, I mean, we, we, we've got to give these ladies time to see if they will rise to the occasion and become the next Janice and the next Beyonce's. But here's the reality of the situation. Janet is in her 50s. If you've seen Janet Jackson perform live these days, she's already modified her dance routines in order to accommodate her, her aging knees. Beyonce has three children now and is in her 40s. She's already slowing down music-wise. Who is the next girl that's going to be the global Black female uh, uh, music superstar? And the same thing goes for the men as well. So I did a whole YouTube video. You guys can go to my YouTube channel and check out the video where I really delve in deep. But it's really a problem. And I think that by the time we truly realize the magnitude of the problem, it is going to be too late. Uh, what do you think? You know, I, I, I think Punk, Funky's right. In my opinion, songs are bigger than the artists now. 
In addition, couple that with uh, the music industry just doesn't foster female artists like that anymore. You like, for instance, the Barry Gordy's of the world don't exist anymore. He cultivated a Diana Ross out of a music group. Quincy Jones cultivated Michael Jackson out of a music group. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, those guys are kind of aging out of the music industry. So being able to kind of, and then also, you know, in the music industry, we love discovering a star from a group. Diana Ross, Beyonce, the list goes, Patti LaBelle, the list goes on and on and on. We just don't have that creativity anymore. I think like Funky says, we're all about marketing. Who looks to part? Who could we sell a million with really quickly and easily and then go to the next? I think things have been watered down and, and not just in the music industry. It's across the board. Now, everyone thinks I could be a talk show host, too. I could be a singer. I could be a rapper. I could be a model before you had to be something different and special to stand out, you had to be 5'10", amazing bone structure, and be thin, a size two. And, and same with singing. You had to be able to sing live and sing good and sing amazing, actually. There was no auto-tune or a computer enhancement. It wasn't like that. So I think it's been watered down, and I think that takes away the excitement, maybe, that the record companies put into the artists. They don't have to do all that. They can just find someone on Instagram who can kind of sing, got a decent look, and, uh, you know, got a lot of followers, and put minimal money into them because they're already marketing themselves on Instagram. I think I hate to blame social media because I actually love social media, but it's it's been a blessing and a curse to all areas of entertainment. And music is definitely one of them. How many people have you like everyone just got out of the studio? Everyone's making a rap album. Yes. Everyone's a everyone's a model. It's like we bastardized the definition of star. Yeah. And celebrity. So you have the great producers, the great producers, the landscape of producers and their interests have changed like Timberland. Oh, my gosh. Timberland and Missy Elliott. Pharrell. They don't really focus on female artists like that anymore. Well, Stephanie Mills also mentioned, too, that a large part of the problem is that the producer has become more important than the artist in the song. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that is problematic. Like, we just don't have this array of stars anymore. Think about it. Once upon a time, we had all existing at the same time. Mariah, Janet, Beyonce, Patti LaBelle, uh, 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 Stephanie Mills. I mean, all of these people existed. And you could see, okay, when this person die off, we still got this one and we got this one up and coming. It's looking like Beyonce. If Beyonce and Janet Jackson disappeared today or tomorrow and Rihanna, we would be stuck. We'd be stuck. Great conversation. Great post. Thanks for posting it. I, I love when we take, uh, you know, posts from, from any of you and, and debate and talk about this. Good point. All right. Uh, do we have time for this quick story? Let me try to squeeze this in real quick before the game. Singer Demi Lovato talked about a mind-blowing encounter she had with aliens during a trip to Joshua Tree. That's where everybody gets high, though. Anyway, she claimed that she saw a blue orb 50 feet away and that it was floating above the ground and it was keeping its distance from her. She said the experience was beautiful and that she realized her life was probably going to change in a spiritual way because of her connection to that journey. Do you believe Demi's story about her alien encounter or... Do you think she was high on that that route that they do that out of water out of that question? Did she have a heroin problem? Okay, I'll, I'll. Oh, I don't. I, I you know. <laughs> To me, it just seems like every week there's something with her. She's had an addiction. I didn't understand that whole trans comment where she said there might be a time when she'll identify as a trans. I just think maybe there's something else going on with her in 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 her life. She back on that stuff. And she's just she's just connecting to her. 
First of all, we're not supposed to misgender her. Do not call her she. She is a they. Oh, girl, get off my line. Your mama called you she. I'm going to call you she. Okay. (laughs) All right. Before we wrap up the show, I want to play a game of hit it or quit it. The (laughs) R&B. Okay, I'll say the name of two R&B singers. And you tell me which one you'd hit, meaning to have sex with, and which one you'd quit or toss to the side. And I'll play along as well. Y'all ready to play? Hit it or quit it. Let's do it. Okay, first up, Brandy and Monica. Hit it or quit it. Monica, my friend, so I can't imagine saying hit it, but I can't quit her either. So I'm about to say hit it for Monica and quit it, Brandy. Okay, Al? I'm going to say hit it, Monica, hit it, Brandy. Just hit it or quit it. I'll stop being greedy and try to be with everybody. <laughs> okay, hit it, hit, hit Monica, quit Brandy. Okay. Um, I like them both. I feel like Monica would hit me back because she seems mad. Like she's like got them hands. And I think Brandy is sweet. I'll say hit Brandy, quit Monica. I don't know. Okay. All right, next up, Tank and Tyrese. Hit it or quit it. Um Tyrese got too many womanly features, so I'm a hit tank and quit Tyrese. I can't have him with all that whining and crying and complaining and carrying on in my bed. <laughs> Al? Uh, hit it and hit it. Again, it's always the bisexual trying to be with everybody. Greedy, you just greedy. One. You're greedy. Uh, okay, uh, all right. Hit Tyrese, quit tank. Maybe that'll fit. Never mind. Um, okay, I uh, damn, I'm friends with Tank's wife. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't hit it with, with Tyrese, we wouldn't okay. get along, we would fight. And I, a man crying like that all the time on social media is not gonna happen, so he would definitely be quit. All right, y'all, Tamia or Deborah Cox, hit it or quit it? Oh, I would definitely hit Tamia and I would quit Deborah Cox. Oh man, this is a tough one, hit it and hit it. Okay, uh, hit hit Deborah Cox, quit uh, the second one. I'm going to file an HR complaint on your ass when we get out there. <laughs> this is a difficult game to play with Al, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Tony Braxton and Janet Jackson, hit it or quit it? Oh, baby, hit Janet, quit Tony. That was hard, Tony, though. I wish they would have put somebody else next to you, like Fantasia or somebody, but I can't pass up Janet. Al? I know, hit both, right? No, I'm gonna say hit, hit it, Janet, quit it, Tony. I like Tony. this was a hard one. That wasn't fair. Whoever did that, producers, that was a hard one. All right, we only got a minute and a half left. Chris Brown or Trey Songs? Hit it or quit it? Hit Trey Songs. Leave Chris Brown all in the back alley where I found his ass at. Oh, you found him back there? Where? Mm-hmm. At the after festival, girl. Go. <laughs> I'm just lying. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a lot of me, Claudia. What you think? Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot more to do than we 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 we're gonna dig deep when we go back down there. Uh and who 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 are you picking? Um Brown or Trey Songs, hit it or quit it. Uh Trey Songs hit it, uh Chris Brown quit it. Trey Songs hit it, but Chris Brown quit it. I I'm with you on that one. All right, y'all. Um, last but not least, Maxwell and Eric Benet hit it or quit it. Um, ooh. Eric Benet got that sex addiction, so he probably know 
everything. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna say hit Eric Benet and quit Maxwell, even though I like Maxwell's music better. Al, I'm gonna say hit Maxwell, quit Eric Benet. I'm gonna pick Eric Benet hit. Although no disrespect to your wife, Manuela, we cool. And uh, Maxwell, I love your music though. This is hard. All right, y'all. I want to thank my co-hosts Al Reynolds and Funky Dineva for joining me tonight. Soulmates, don't forget. Starting next week, TGIF will air at our new time, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for watching us on YouTube and in the chat. Please watch it again tomorrow on the replay. Stay tuned. The Book of Sean is up next. You don't want to miss that. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.